Just a quick heads up that I am currently on maternity leave, which means that the Fertility Co podcast is taking a break. But please don't panic because I'm already working on some exciting things behind the scenes. And when I come back, I'm really looking forward to sharing with you a brand new, completely free mini course all about ovulation and finding your fertile window. In the meantime, there are still heaps of ways that you can continue to learn about your fertility and your menstrual cycle while I take a break. If you're just getting started with charting your cycle, you can check out my free fertility roadmap. If you want to dive deeper and learn exactly when you're ovulating, then you can watch my Fix Your Fertility Masterclass. There is, of course, also my Conceive with Confidence workshop series and, of course, my flagship online program, Fertility School. If you want individualized support from a trained fertility educator, that's me, then you can book in to my wait list for a one-on-one consult. And I would love to work with you to achieve your fertility goals in 2024. Spots are strictly limited though, and links to all of those resources are in the show notes. Rachel and I am obsessed with all things periods, pregnancy, pelvic floor and helping women just like you to navigate all of life's major milestones. I'm a physiotherapist and natural fertility educator and my passion is teaching women how to take control of their health. Fertility, pregnancy, nutrition and menstrual cycle health. We'll dive deep into all of it right here. All those questions you've been secretly googling, all those things you're too embarrassed to ask your doctor because, well, we're women. Shouldn't we just know this stuff? So get comfy and get ready to finally have all of your questions answered. Hit subscribe now and let me teach you what they never taught us in health class. Hello and welcome to another Fertility Files interview. In this episode, I am chatting with Emily, who along with her husband and her son, Ronan, lives in a small Oregon town in the Pacific Northwest. She is a kindergarten teacher and family photographer who finds immense joy in the great outdoors and sipping on iced matcha. In the 10 years of their relationship, uh, Emily and her husband's journey has been marked by profound emotional challenges and the heartache of fertility struggles. These trials have ignited Emily's passion for embracing non-toxic lifestyles, holistic well-being practices, and the wisdom of Chinese medicine. I know you are going to get a lot out of today's episode, so let's have a listen. Thank you, Emily, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. I'm so excited to have you here. Can we get started with you sharing a little bit about yourself, including where you live and where you're from and who's in your family? Yes. Um, My name is Emily. I go by M. I live in Oregon, which is West Coast, USA. Um, No one ever knows where we're at. We're like 45 minutes from California. (laughs) Little small town. Uh, And my family is myself, my husband, Justice, and our two-year-old son, Ronan. Beautiful. So let's dive straight in. Let's go back. Do you remember getting your first period? What was it like? How did this all begin? You know, I tried so hard and I even talked to my mom and I've honestly, my brain has suppressed that memory. (laughs) (laughs) But I know I was 12 and I, yeah, you will get into it later, but there's other events in my life. My brain is totally suppressed and I've had to go back and refresh. I do not remember my first period. I do know that those first few years were so hard very characteristic of that heavy cramping, super painful. Like I couldn't get by without lots of Advil. Um, The heavy pads even ended up going pretty early to pads and tampons. And yeah, it just was terrible. I was not a fan. (laughs) Which is tough at 12. That's so tough. That's like a real initiation by fire, isn't it? Totally. Yes. And I was a swimmer. So there was a fear of the water. And so I definitely had a regularity, which we'll get into, but it definitely made me feel safer on the regularity side because like, oh, far apart, I can handle that. I don't have to deal with it as much. Yeah. Don't have to worry about the water. <laughs> did it affect Did it affect swimming at all? Like, did you swim when you had your period, given that it was so heavy? And 
I'd have to miss the first day or two. Totally. Yeah. I'd have to miss the first day or two just because of the pain. But once I got to the tail end of my cycle, it really helped with the cramping, just kind of that buoyancy and movement in water. But it was definitely really difficult and more self-conscious than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. And so let's let's talk about this irregularity that's really started straight away. You've really, you've had a tough time straight away, haven't you? Yes. So no, yeah, share a little bit more about that if you like. Yeah, the irregularity was right off the bat and we didn't know it was PCOS till later, but it was very strange because I was a very normal sized kid, very active. And right when I hit puberty, I gained so much weight and I was just like, what in the world? You know, I'm active. I'm, I'm a swimmer. Um, so things were just really difficult and it definitely led into some disordered eating pretty early on, just like trying to get back and all of that. Um, the periods were really hard those first two years. And I just was really struggling with hormones. Like my mom knew that hormone, you know, that onset's really hard, but I was really, really struggling. And she had taken me to a more functional doctor when I was about 14. Um, cause she's definitely always been a little more functionally, holistically minded. And it was a terrible experience. <laughs> I just look back with like so much sadness because this, you know, these doctors, you know, they're meeting you for the first time and you're young. And she was, we did in different blood panels. And I, at the time I was really struggling with anger, which was not my personality at all. And she was just like, you know, you have more testosterone than a teenage boy. It's no wonder you're having wonky periods. And she actually told me I'd never be able to have children. <gasps> At 14. 14. Wow. Yes. My mom, we never went back. My mom was just so upset and I was so upset because, you know, you're just like looking ahead to the future a little bit. And yeah, I just have always felt that that was a very unwarranted thing to say to a young person. <laughs> Yes, it's oh, I always look I always cringe whenever I hear stories about anyone being told that because I think like you can't know that. No, you can never know that. Good. Like you could you you know, you could set the scene and you know you may have trouble, but to come out and definitively say you will never have children and to say that to a 14-year-old like yeah. that has an impact. That has an enormous impact on you. Definitely. Um wow. so it definitely it shaped a lot of those early years. Um, what did help with the PCOS is, you know, at the time they weren't really willing to do anything about it, but we kind of just did a lot of, my mom had done research into like different supplements and things and just a lot of those like cinnamon bark and a lot of those like insulin helping things to kind of get me through high school. And and honestly, that experience had been so bad that we didn't really look into PCOS that much. We just kind of were just like, you know, let's forget about this and move on and try and, you know, just move on. <laughs> yeah. um, so I had kind of gone in through high school, just not thinking about that, just putting it back in my mind, like, you know, kids might, might not be a thing for me and that's okay. And just trying to come to peace with that. Um, I met my now husband pretty young, actually. Um, we were high school sweethearts, but oh. I did I did tell him early on, like, kids may not be part of our future, just because I know that's a big thing for a lot of couples, mm. and we've been through it regardless. <laughs> oh. Yes. I got my a big surprise when I was 19. Um, I found out that I was pregnant, and just coming off of the irregular periods and the news I wouldn't be able to have kids, it was an absolute shock. Um, I don't even know why I tested really because my periods would be so far apart that I just was at my summer job in high school and just like, you know, it's been a really long time, like a really long time. And I was just like, this doesn't feel right. I didn't have any symptoms, but I just went ahead and took the test and it came up straight away. And I just remember being so blown away. Um, Yeah, so shocking. By the time I got in to see a doctor, I was pretty far along. I was um, eight weeks. But yeah, irregular cycles, you know, it just didn't really occur to me. I had no symptoms. um, But they never did find a heartbeat. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we just kind of kept waiting and waiting for things to happen on its own and it didn't. Um, and it was just horrible timing. My then, uh, boyfriend, um, was leaving for the service, um, the military. And so I like had sprung the news on him. Like, Oh, I know we said we could have kids, but we're pregnant. <laughs> and then he was leaving. So, yeah, it was just a super it was just a super hard time. Um cuz he ended up, you know, he left and um they kept waiting for it to happen on its own and it really didn't. So, when I was 13 weeks, they did give me whatever that medication is to get things moving cuz mm-hmm. it had been a long time, you know. That's several months. 13 weeks is a long time. Yeah. 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 Um, and so that was a really dark time, um, you know, being so young and, uh, my mom, it was just bad timing. She ended up being out of town, but, um, it was just me and my dad and he is the sweetest man on earth, but it's like, he did not know how to talk to me. And I you want your mom in that situation. (laughs) It's like a really awkward, yeah, just a really awkward, hard time. Um, I ended up flying out to stay with my grandparents for a couple of weeks just to kind of clear my head and to kind of have a fresh start. And I ended up getting really, really ill, actually. And it started the bleeding like came back because, you know, you, you have the initial time of bleeding after the medication. But I ended up being hospitalized. Um, yeah. I'm not sure what you call it, but basically it, it retained quite a bit. It wasn't all able to come so Mm -hmm. so but yeah so I kind of just had to kind of get past that I felt like you know my boyfriend and I were still in contact but he was across the country and I had unenrolled from the university and re-enrolled so it was definitely a time of transition but um in those early 20s the irregularity did come back you know it took quite a while for me to get my cycle back um and he ended up getting out of the service because of a injury. Um, and so when he was going to be coming home and we were going to get married, I did decide to try um, contraceptives for the first time. Like, oh, uh, yeah, Con- I guess it's called contraceptives for the yeah. first time. Yeah. Uh, and so I've tried lots of things. <laughs> um, I th- let's see. I started with the Marina the IUD and cause I knew we were getting married in a couple of months and I wanted a few months to cayenne try and figure out like all the things. And it was terrible for me personally. Um, I should have known like going into it, like all the women on my mom's side of the family have had terrible experience with hormonal contraceptives, but you just, you know, you kind of feel like I'm going to be different. Like, you know, it'll be fine. I really struggled on the marina, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like all of those side effects, like the weight gain and the moodiness. And I just did not feel myself at all. And so within a couple months, I went back and I was like, I need to try something else. This is terrible. <laughs> I don't feel like a young 20-something anymore. <laughs> um, so I reduced onto the Skyla, which is that kind of sp- – I think it's less. They kind of described it as like a contraceptive for teenagers. Um, So we tried the Skyla and I still really, really struggled. So then we went, ended up on the pill. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. And how did your body cope with that? Did you still have side effects? Yeah, I did. We had been several months married when I had started the pill. 
And I just, I enjoyed missing the periods. That was really lovely. Um, But I just really couldn't kick those side effects. And I just started to resent, like, you know, it feels like almost like your honeymoon's being taken from you. Just like, Mm. terrible and it's not fun anymore. And you kind of, I just missed that spark, you know. Um, So we just decided that I was just going to go off of it and... We were just going to let it be. (laughs) Yeah. And like back to what this practitioner told you when you were so young, the fact that you haven't even had to contemplate contraception until this far down the track, like that, that's, you know, that's to, again, to say to someone, you'll never have, you'll never have children. That's another side effect flow-on effect of that isn't it you've just not contemplated it because you thought well I don't need it and then when you're in this stage of life where you're you know you're happily married and as you said you're trying to enjoy that honeymoon period you're going through this awful process of having to find something that works for you and deal with all the side effects it's just another awful flow-on effect isn't it Yes, I absolutely agree because I feel so delayed in my learning of like cycle tracking and yeah, that well, hearing you say that, it makes so much sense because at the time, yeah, I felt just confident in my body to not get pregnant. And then once it was, once we did, I was like, oh, this is possible. This I is have to think of this now. Kind of terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. how old were you when you actually got your diagnosis of PCOS? Was that I around was 14? Yeah. So that's quite early. Yeah. That's quite it early is, to be yeah. definitively diagnosed. And you weren't ticking those boxes, those stereotypical symptoms. They called it a soft diagnosis because I was meeting the testosterone levels. Um, and then I forget that word, but like androgen symptoms. Androgens, yeah. Yes. Um, it wasn't until my last loss a few months ago that we did identify the cysts on the ovaries. Um, but it had always been in my mind. They just kept calling it soft because they didn't feel it necessary to do an ultrasound on a 14 year old at the time. You know, they're like, you have time, like we'll reevaluate when you're older. And then with the bad experience, like my mom and I weren't signing up to just show up for testing. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. How how interesting. If you had have had a different experience, like, and your mom sounds like she's so proactive and she has been so supportive in these, you know, to be dealing with this with a young teenager and like to have had a different experience, you may have then had, you know, a different, like more definitive diagnosis to be, to know these things early on. It's, yeah, it's one of those Sliding doors things, isn't it? It's totally. like you go, you go and see a different practitioner and you get a completely different outcome ultimately. Yes. Yeah, no, my mom has been a huge um, a huge help in this journey. Um, around that same time when I had um, quit contraceptives, I was just really struggling energy-wise. And before mm-hmm. I had chalked it up to, you know, I'm on the pill or I'm on this. I have hormones, that whole thing. But it just really wasn't kicking and I was just like, I could not be 23 and 24 and this tired, like struggling to get through the day at work and kicking back lattes like they're going out of style. <laughs> um, and my mom does have hypothyroidism. So she had recommended that I maybe go and see her doctor just to kind of get a look um, and see. And I did. And it was – I was just so thankful for that because I did have hypothyroidism. Um, and it was – just that small, that small dosage was so huge and like making me feel like a human again and helping me um, just have energy to get through the day and through work and, and ultimately down the road. Um, it helped lead to the pregnancy with my now son um, because we, I had stopped hormonal contraceptives in 2018. And so mm-hmm. then for two years, um, we had just said, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be. You know, we just, I don't want to do that hormone thing anymore. But mm-hmm. I had started on the thyroid medication, um, the, uh, the the natural kind, like from the okay. from pig. Um, and what was interesting was when I got pregnant with my son, it didn't occur to me now this next time around, like 
trying and trying and trying that we had been, you know, having normal, regular intimacy for two years before that surprise came along, which it didn't occur to me at the time because we were just in our little, you know, marriage bubble Mm. and living life. Um, But when I got pregnant with my son, Ronan, it was definitely a shock. Um, Just going back to not thinking that that was a possibility or that it would be hard for me. Um, And when I got pregnant with him, I was also a little more along. I was six six weeks going on seven weeks. It was right around Christmas Mm -hmm. um, because things were really crazy at work and I was just chalking it up to the irregular cycles. Um, But he has just been the the biggest blessing. And I just now, as we've been struggling, just look at him as my miracle baby because he's just been a fighter from the start. (laughs) And how old is he now? He just had his second birthday. Oh, beautiful. Yes. Yeah, he's sleeping right now. (laughs) (laughs) So how was that pregnancy? It was great. It was really a very normal pregnancy. Um, We had no complications, no risks. I had honestly, by this point, I had really suppressed all of the PCOS in my mind. And it was not something even on my forefront. I had just kind of plunged ahead. And like, Mm -hmm. we were keeping tabs on my thyroid to make sure it was keeping up because um, going back a few months in the fall, I was starting to struggle again. And so he increased my dose. And what was interesting was the next month I got pregnant. So um, the doctor at the time said, you know, it's not uncommon, you know, if your thyroid wasn't able to, you know, keep up before or not at a high enough level to be able to sustain a pregnancy. So, um, yeah, everything with Ronan was perfect. Um, he was a really healthy baby. It was a really healthy birth. I did really struggle in the postpartum. Mm-hmm. And my thyroid levels went all kinds of wonky. Um, I really struggled with um, like frequent yeast infections and um, gut problems. Uh, when I was pregnant with my son, all of my intolerances went away, which was absolutely amazing. (laughs) I know, it's just (laughs) the best. My poor mom and I are gluten and dairy intolerant. And for those beautiful nine months, I was just bread and cheese. And (laughs) I can imagine I'm celiac, so I can completely (laughs) relate. (laughs) Yes. That would be heaven. (laughs) Yes, it was absolutely amazing. Um, I did end up regretting it later. Um, I don't know if this is common for a lot of people, but I ate whatever I want when I was pregnant and it did come back with a vengeance, (laughs) (laughs) the intolerances. Um, And so, yeah, that postpartum period was really difficult and we really struggled to get my thyroid kind of back cued in. It's still pretty wonky. Um, And I started seeing the thyroid doctor again for candida symptoms because my gut was super crazy. Um, I just was getting lots of yeast infections and just really like uncomfortable and um, having a hard time with that. Um, I did get the Paragard after my son was born at my uh, six-week appointment um, just for a non-hormonal option mm-hmm. um, since I had responded pretty poorly before. And I had it for a year and I did really like it. I think once we're done having kids, I would go back to it. Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> so when in this whole process, did you? Yes. when did you first start really thinking about your cycle and your fertility and like learning to track and all of these sorts of things? Has it been after having your son that you've really it started really investigating has. things? Yes. Yeah. I, that's why I said I feel so late to the party. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I've learned so much. I've learned so much from your podcast. Um, we got my IUD out last uh, last winter. And I was all gung-ho to start trying again. My son was like a year and a few months. And I had done like period apps before, but I had never paid attention to like the ovulation days. I just really wanted to know, you know, when my period is going to come, which it wasn't always accurate, obviously, because of the irregularity. But I would plug in when my days were and it would get close 
Mm. to when it when I should expect it you know maybe there's a 35 to cycle here and a 40 here and then a 25 or 30 there Um, but it wasn't until we started trying to have a second baby and when I had gotten the Paragard removed the doctor was so confident which I regretted later she was like I'll see you next month pregnant and I was like okay Because by this point, you know, once we got pregnant, I just was like, oh, maybe I am a normal person and maybe that's behind me. And, you know, I just thought, you know, the world is our oyster. You know, everyone says it's easier the next time around. And so months kept going by of nothing, nothing. And I was like, oh, this is weird. Okay. Well, we tried like the OPKs. Um, And those first few months, I didn't get an LH surge. So I was like, oh. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not good. Um, this was really – this would have been earlier this year. I was really struggling with my gut health. Um, the, the yeast infections had gotten rampant, so trying for a baby was just absolutely terrible. <laughs> it was just super painful all the time. Um, I had gotten to the point where I couldn't um, go to the bathroom for stool and I had been in and out of the doctor thinking they're totally unrelated and they were just like keep taking magnesium or you know drink more water kind of like your more normal approaches to constipation but it ended up getting really bad and I had to take time off from work and I was just like what is happening I am we are very healthy active people I have Mm. oats for breakfast everyone's telling me to eat oats (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this should not be happening. So, and it was also coinciding with, you know, no LA surges. We didn't know if I was ovulating. Like, okay, well, this is really weird. Um, And so I had to go to a lot of different people. Everyone just kept saying, take milk of magnesia or, you know, try it over the counter. You'll be fine. You're young. It'll be fine. Um, and so then I had gone to a checkup with my thyroid doctor and he has always been a little more functionally minded. And I was just like, should I increase my dose? Like I know that low thyroid can really lend to constipation sometimes. Like I don't know what to do. This is affecting my daily life. This is affecting my work life. Everything is just terrible. Like I don't know what to do. And he decided, or he thought that we should do a gut map, which I don't know if you're familiar with. Can you talk me through it? Yeah, it's this like kit. (laughs) They just give it to you. And there's this terrible little, literally, it's a French fry container. Those red and white striped French fry containers. They're like, so you're going to go to the bathroom in this? And you're like, oh my gosh. How exactly? (laughs) How am I going to do this? And he's like, well, I've never done it, but there's instructions in the box. (laughs) I'm like, oh no. So you put it, you know, in your little French fry container and there's a little vial and you stir it up and mail it off to this company. And in five weeks, they give you your, your results back. And so I was just like praying that this would tell us something because at this point it had just gotten out of control. I was taking time off from work, taking way too many over the counters. I'm like, this can't be healthy. Mm-hmm. And We had done some research, like, you know, on the personal side, like maybe we should be doing more low inflammatory foods. We should be upping my fiber. We had kind of tried to like really look at our diet, which was pretty healthy for a standard American diet. Nothing too crazy. Um, But when we got those results back, um, they, the the candida was like out of control, which is the yeast. Um, and so it was so frustrating because I was like, you know, I've been doing this candida diet on and off for several years now. It's, you know, it's that basic, like low sugar, no starches, meat and vegetables. Um, but for whatever reason, just like with having a baby, they said that progesterone can really kick it into high gear. Um, and then the recurrent yeast infections were just adding to it. So, um, we were supposed to do a 90 day course of nystatin, which is a pretty strong antifungal. 
And I ended up finding out that I was pregnant and I was just like over the moon. You know, we had been trying for several months and we didn't even think I was ovulating. So we were just like, I'd kind of pushed it off on my mind. Like, okay, we'll deal with that later. Like we did it. We're here. Yay. Um, And unfortunately that ended in a loss um, about the 10 week mark. And um, I did elect that time to, do the vacuum because of the traumatic first experience. Um, And so going through that was absolutely horrible because I had felt like, you know, maybe we don't have a chance. And then I felt like we'd had that shining light, like, oh, maybe my body is, you know, maybe my body can do it. Um, So that was this spring and it was just such a hard, such a hard thing. Um, But the the shining light was that we could do the nice statin course. So I was like, okay, you know, if we need to take a step back and heal the gut, because I know that we're definitely having some interplay here. We have low thyroid and we have major gut problems. And I know they all lead into fertility. Um, we just, you know, we just really need to focus on healing right now. And so we did the 30 day or sorry, the 90 day nice satin course, which honestly changed my life because before, um, like when I had like initially found your podcast and I was listening to all the cervical mucus, I was like, I don't have cervical mucus. <laughs> like, well, it would certainly be affected with, yes, the, with the recurrence. Yes. Just nonstop, yes. you know? And if I did get cervical mucus, it was more of the yeast infection symptoms and not fertile. So once we finished the course, I was just like, oh my goodness, like, wow, like we, you know, we have, I felt like we kind of have a chance now. Like maybe we can tap into more of our, the the more natural cycles. Um, Maybe, you know, now it'll be a little bit easier to figure out that fertile window because we, you know, with those several months on the apps, it was like, this is not working. Like I'm way too irregular for a standard app. (laughs) We need something way more specialized. Um, And so, Doing that course of Nystatin for the yeast was so wonderful because it boosted my thyroid because my, we didn't know my thyroid was being suppressed. Um, so we're still working that out because now my thyroid has gone from low um, hypo to hyper. So of we're course. Having, I know. You're just like doing all the things. It's like, can't we just find the happy medium here? I know. I know. <laughs> yes, you get one thing out. You get one thing of balance and everything else is wacky. Um But we finally got the – we're, like, working on getting the thyroid back down. But what was so eye-opening with the gut health is that we've had to do, like, a complete lifestyle change. Uh, And I say we because it's really affected my whole family. It's like, you know, you're not making one meal for yourself and then different meals for everybody else. Um, We've had to completely change the way we eat and the way, um, you know, we're preparing food even. And – it has just been so wonderful because I've just, I've never felt so healthy in my life and it's hard because we, you know, we've had to give up a lot, you know, with, and they, they kind of told me, you know, with your history and with the insulin resistance and from the PCOS and with the recurrent yeast infections, like this is kind of a lifestyle change. Like you're not going to be jumping back into your refined things anytime soon. Um, So we've just, I've kind of had to part with that, that really hard bit of not wanting to give up my, my starches <laughs> and, you know, the, sh- the sweets and, um, and we've had to even like, this is so crazy. Like even knowing that like we had to start buying grass fed beef without hormones because the hormones in the meat were feeding the yeast in my gut, which was r- wrecking my hormones. And so it has been a very hard life change, but and, you know, we're still not pregnant, but I just, it's given us such a, a better perspective. Like, like we know we still have so far to go, but at least right now we're just like, okay, well we can heal. Like we can't control my ovulation and we can't control my losses, but we can control what we're eating and what we're putting into my body and kind of at least start this healing process. Yeah. And like, you're obviously seeing and feeling results from it. Like I know it's hard to have to eliminate food and you've, you've had to deal with that along the way with, you know, managing your yeast infections and managing, you know, your intolerances. So you're, 
you know, you've obviously got experience with cutting out foods and things like that. But if you're feeling the healthiest you've ever felt, Mm -hmm. you're seeing the results of it. And I'm sure it must just be so much easier to stick to when you're seeing, seeing positive changes. Oh, absolutely. And just feeling different, like just so much more energy. And I've had to let go of that embarrassment because it is so embarrassing to show up to an event and you're like, I have my quinoa and my steamed kale and my <laughs> it's just terrible. And it's, you know, and it's, and my family's gotten a lot better, but they're just like, you won't loosen up a little bit. And it's just like, it's, yeah, you know, it's hard, it's isn't been it? Months in the making, you know, I don't want to give it up for one tree. Like, yes. you know, I'll give up any food group. I'm just trying to heal. <laughs> just, yeah, but I had to let go of that because it's just, People don't really, I've had to tell myself, people don't really care. It just seems embarrassing. No, exactly. (laughs) And like, I think, because I completely get it because I'm the same whenever I go anywhere, it's like, you have to ask, is this gluten-free? And you have to ask all those questions. And it's like, I don't want to be this person. I don't want to be the one that asks. I don't want to be difficult. I just want to be... You know, I'm I'm Absolutely. not high maintenance. I swear. I know. I completely I know. understand when you bring your own packed lunch to things. It's <laughs> yes, <laughs> but people don't care. Like, people don't they care. Don't. People don't care. It's it's just more organization and planning for you. But I know. Ultimately, yes. you're happy to do it when you know that it's making a difference. Yes. So what would what would a typical what would a typical day on a plate look like for you now? Yeah. Um, for breakfast, I will either have a couple of eggs and avocado or a superfood shake, just something with like a ton of nutrients. Uh, it was something I started um, in the pregnancy we had this spring, just something like super jam-packed with nutrients, high protein. For a snack, I would have like a handful of almonds or a green apple. It's like a candida diet approved food. Um, lunch is almost always, I'm just a creature of habit. I love quinoa and some sort of green right now. It's been kale, like two boiled eggs and like carrots or beets or something like that for afternoon snack. Um, I have to like decide like, am I going to have my fruit in the morning, fruit in the afternoon? Cause you get your one green apple a day, which is so sad, (laughs) but (laughs) Um, I'll try and make like a, a, like a chai tea with a little bit of stevia. Cause that's like a, a sweet treat for me now. And, um, like, a, like a no sugar or low sugar protein bar. And then for dinner, um, either like a grass fed beef or a pork or fish with steamed vegetables. Very healthy. I know. I know. <laughs> it sounds terrible. <laughs> Again, it's habit, isn't it? And it's It's totally. I'm very much, I understand I'm a creature of habit as well. And I'm very much, all right, this is what I'm eating for lunch all week. And my husband will say, how how can you eat that every day? And it's, it's, it's just easier for my brain to know what I'm having every day for a week. Totally. And I get that. I completely get that. And it's without having to think, especially when you've got so many restrictions on what you can eat. To yes. have a plan and to have your go-to foods is totally. so much easier. It has to be so much easier than getting to lunchtime and thinking, what can I eat? Yes. Because that's no, when you're absolutely. less likely to stick to your restrictions, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And honestly, now, because it's been um, almost nine months, it feels wow. it feels like routine now and it doesn't feel yeah. hard. But I yeah. remember, you know, I remember what it feels like to crave and want those things. But once you're away from it from a certain period of time, and also we still have that super resolve where it's like, we're still trying so hard. Like I would, you know, I'll give up any food to conceive, but yeah, um, yeah it just, it's having that as a, as a motivator has been amazing for me. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And do you still, does your body still crave those refined foods or is your body just at the point where it's like, I don't need that. I need the food you're feeding me. I I miss what I remember it tastes like, but this is (laughs) (laughs) because I don't really remember that well. But uh, what is so interesting is because I have been and I don't it's not meant to be ketogenic, but when you're trying to starve out the yeast, Mm -hmm. um, you're naturally having to stay away from those starchier items. So I have to make sure I add in fat because I had gone to our farmer's market and I had gotten one of those uh, like power date balls, um, like, you know, the coconuts and the dates. 
And I felt absolutely horrible. Like I felt like I just had like a whole piece of cake. And so when I had gone back to follow up with my naturopath, which I'll loop back to in a minute, um, she had just said, you know, looking at kind of your history with food and because I really struggled as a child with blood sugar, like my mom would always have to pair anything like sweet with a protein. And I it even got worse after menstruation started with like that PCOS kicking in insulin mm-hmm. resistance. I've just always really struggled with starches, but now being away from them for so long, it's just like, it's terrible. She did say I had to be so careful not to get diabetes later in life, just because I've always had kind of lower on the insulin side, like not pre-diabetic, but I definitely, my body just just does not have enough insulin to kind of handle those starchier foods. Okay. Did you have gestational diabetes in your pregnancy? I said you had no no issues. So that's interesting, isn't it? I was nervous. I was really nervous because I was like, how am I supposed to drink that drink with how many grams of sugar? And I can't even handle a soda, you know? (laughs) I was really scared, but we were okay. How interesting. I know. And so do you have to do do you have to do any testing or anything for that? Or is it more just we'll monitor that down the track and something to be mindful of now? Yeah, we've been doing a little bit of monitoring. After the last loss, I had gone back to my OB and I had just said, um, you know, I I just want to go over everything. When they had found on the last loss in um the spring, they had found cysts on the ovaries. And it had kind of been a wake up for me because I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I had just kind of, like, let the PCOS go. You know, we'd had a baby. I thought, like, well, you know, maybe it, we, we move past it or maybe we're not affected. It doesn't affect everybody. Um, and so I was like, can we do some testing? Can we do another ultrasound? Because at the time, they could only see one of the ovaries just with – they said I had – just the, the imaging was poor. And she said no. And I was like, oh, well, can we do any blood work? Or like, I kind of want to know. I want to be proactive. What can we do? You know, we've already been working on my diet, you know, because I know that PCOS is pretty multidimensional. You have to really attack it from different ways. And she just said it would be a waste of insurance money. (laughs) And I should... I know. And she's like, you can keep trying for another nine months and come back. And I was so angry. I was like, like I know I don't you know I was like we have at least a couple of things against us right now I feel like warrant a conversation to not just be like oh well just keep trying like (laughs) come back in nine months nine months is a long time when you've been trying a long time time already another yeah and we already know there's issues you know like there's already things at play here so that really prompted me to end up seeing that naturopath that I mentioned yes um and she like she was great and she kind of got me more on the supplementation side for PCOS because mm-hmm. before I had just done like normal supplements, you know, like your vital vitamin, your fish oil, your pretty standards. But she had kind of gotten me, okay, let's, you know, work on the insulin resistance. Let's work on different things. So I had started seeing her. And then at the same time, I tried fertility acupuncture mm-hmm. um, just to kind of give it a go. I had already made an appointment in the spring when I thought I was pregnant. Um, and so I had just rescheduled with her once we would had the loss and said, you know, I'd like to shift our appointment to fertility if that's okay. And honestly, that was – it has been the best investment that we've made in this Acupuncture is amazing. It's amazing. Yep. Yeah, I just – I had no idea. Just even their wealth of knowledge, I was just like in awe. Like, you know, the, it just feels like magic. They just touch you one area and she's like, oh, you're – does your left side of your back hurt? I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so validating when it's, it's like, so does it hurt here? It hurts here, doesn't it? And you're like, oh, yes. I'm normal. I'm normal. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I just think she's a magician. It's just Aww. absolutely amazing. But she has actually taught me so much about my cycle because for me coming off heavy periods, and it was even still heavy after the birth of my son when it did return. uh, And she was just like, no, it's not supposed to be this way. And I was like, oh, it's not. (laughs) You know, it's like we go through my symptoms and she's like, no, it should be 
three to four days and it shouldn't be this heavy and you know all of these things and then even like on my lifestyle side like I had thought we were doing a really good job and being really proactive and she was she had had me that first cycle post miscarriage really like write down what I'm doing and different activities and she was just like no you need to be resting those first three days like when your son is napping like you are like butterfly position get your hot pack out and so it has just been so amazing because I you know when you have a period you're like okay well I kind of know how this works and then when you meet someone that's just like you know it can be better it doesn't have to be terrible and you don't have to pop all the pills and you know, be in misery. So that has just been such an eye-opening experience. And that's what I've really learned. I feel like so much about my cycle and about my body, just um, seeing her and doing her menstrual herbs and kind of the Chinese medicine side. It has just been such an eye-awakening and just beautiful experience. It is. And the the Chinese medicine and like Ayurvedic, like the thoughts of just rest, and when they say rest, they mean rest. It's like do yes. nothing. And, it, and when you do it, it <laughs> makes you realize, oh, wow, I don't do this. I do not Absolutely. do this enough. It's, it just, it's something in you. It's like it's, it's hard. It's really hard to adjust to, but it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. I, yeah, I am fascinated with yes. Chinese medicine and all yes, of that because it, it's just this, like there's a reason why it's been around for so long and why it continues to be around because there is definitely a magic there, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. I've totally embraced it with wide open arms. And, you know, my, my sister just laughs at my mom and I am, she just says we're hippies, but we just like, <laughs> it has just been, like you said, it's just so restful. It's so peaceful. It just is like, I feel like this is how we should be living. Like we should be living by our cycle and, yes. you know, eating the different foods over the parts of the cycle. I had no idea, you know, you know, and things, even things like she's like, oh, well, we need to reduce your salad intake. And I was like, reduce my salad intake? I thought they're so great. And she's like, well, for you personally, it's stressing out your spleen. I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> just, Every time. world. <laughs> Every time I would go, I'm not getting acupuncture at the moment, but every time I would go, I would get in trouble for having smoothies <laughs> every day and have a smoothie for breakfast. And you've had another one. <laughs> I know. Stop. I know. We think we're doing so good. Yeah. It's like, oh, my salad and my smoothie. And they're like, no, 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 no. That needs to be cooked. I know. It's exactly the cooked. Yes. Yeah. No cold water. And I'm like drinking my, you know, insulated drink bottle that keeps my water icy cold all day. Nope. (laughs) I know. Yeah. That's funny. So how how often are you getting your acupuncture at the moment? Are you getting it sort of in tune with your cycle? Yeah. So we're kind of doing her prescribed once a week for 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. And we started that um, about a month after the loss. And so we're at the tail end of that. And we'll be going to twice a week for a few months and then I'm sorry, twice a month for a few months Mm -hmm. and then once a month. Um, And she actually had us preventing the last two cycles. Um, She really felt strongly that Uh, with my thyroid levels where they were and um, she was not pleased with like the, um, I think of the word, but basically like the richness of my bleeds that it wasn't, we, if we got pregnant, it would not probably end well Mm -hmm. uh, because my levels were still wonky and I wasn't um, bleeding the way that I should be. So, um, we did hold off, which is so hard when you've it's been in hard. that trying mindset. Yeah, so hard. And it's and it's easy, I think, for someone to say, "Oh, it's only you know, it's only two months, it's only three months," but that's yes. a long time. It's yes, and it's tough. It's tough to avoid. I completely yes. Understand. It's so hard, like because you're a Western medicine doctor. I ended up breaking up with that doctor a couple months ago, but you know they say try right away. You have your Just best keep chances. Trying. Yeah. Trying those first two cycles, you'll be the most successful. Um, but we've seen so much success with her. I was just like, we have to trust her. And it's yeah. so hard. But, you know, what's three months when we've already been trying nine? You know what I mean? Yeah. So we yeah. um, we get to try again this fall. And, you know, I'm trying to protect my heart and not pre- place expectations. But I also know, like, 
even if it takes a few months, we're still going to go into it at our healthiest self. And exactly. And once, yeah. like, obviously, it's impossible to remove the emotion from it. But if you remo- remove the emotion from it and you think of yeah. it in a really rational, logical way, it makes sense to wait until your body has done that little bit of extra healing and gotten to a, yes. a better place because you don't want it. You don't want to go through it again and experience something negative. So yes, as hard absolutely. as it is, as hard as it is in the moment to say, okay, we'll wait. It's Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's a tricky thing. It's a very yeah. tricky thing. Yeah, I feel like it's been, I keep telling my husband, I feel like it's been like a gift in disguise because, you know, if we had been successful and stayed pregnant this whole year, um, I wouldn't have been able to do the gut treatment until we were done breastfeeding. So, you know, it would have pushed would have out treatment almost two years, you know, mm. and still suffering with constipation going into pregnancy where it's only going to get worse. So, it has just been the gift to us. I feel like that despite, obviously we wish we were still pregnant, but I don't know if I ever would have gotten my health to where it is now. And I still have so far to go, but I don't know if I would have been able to give up so much if we didn't have to struggle and now have such a, like such a deep, profound love for healing and desire to, go into the next pregnancy so much healthier, which I hope our postpartum will be so much better. Yeah. And it's it's that flow on effect, isn't it? It's yeah. once you're once you're pregnant, you're in it. And then you're transitioning straight into postpartum. And if you're going into pregnancy, and I think people forget that if they're if they're going into pregnancy with these health concerns, they can't really be yeah. addressed and they, yeah. they're they not going to go away until you're at that other end of it. And if you, you know, intend to breastfeed for a long time, it's yes. that's so depleting in itself. And it is, it just adds so much time, as you said, sort of two years to the, yeah. to the mix. So it is, yeah. it's, it's a silver lining, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> so what else have you been doing? It sounds like you've been doing a lot in terms of nutrition. <laughs> yes. Um, and just trying to get yourself in the best possible state. So what other things have you been doing? You've mentioned to me like lots of non-toxic um, lifestyle yes. and other well-being practices. What sort of things are you doing there to help with your hormones and just help, I guess, yeah. with your overall health and well-being? Yeah, we definitely did a heavy toxin kick. I read a book called Detox Your Home this year, which is an amazing book, but it also is one of those books that just terrifies you. It's frightening. <laughs> it's so frightening. And once you know, you can't unknow. <laughs> so I definitely went through our whole house and it was just like throwing it, tossing it, like get it out, get it in the in the hazardous waste. I can't be in here. Um, so we have gone... It's actually nice. I mean, once you kick all the products from cleaning to bath and body to all the things, and, you know, we still have, like, bleach in the cabinet for an absolute necessity or, you know, dishwashing detergent. Haven't found a swap for that yet. But um, we pretty much use the Castile soap for most things Mm -hmm. um, and vinegar. It's kind of like my go-tos for, like, kitchen, bathroom, um, the Castile soap is really softer on things like granite where you don't want to do vinegar. Um, we did kick all of our body products. Um, I love Dr. Bronner's. I don't know if you're yes. a fan. Yes. <laughs> so good. And they do like everything. Like They even make chapstick now. I'm just like <laughs> so happy about that. <laughs> um, I love the Bronner's. Uh, we did kick scented candles, which – if anyone knows me, like that was so hard for me to do. Like that was something that my husband would do for me as a special treat. He'd be like, okay, let's go and let's pick out a candle. And we would go Aww. down to the store and smell all the candles. Um, and once I So learned, what do you do instead? Do you do have you swapped that or do you just We did no, cut no for <laughs> we cut for a long time. Um, just because when I did look at alternatives, I was like, oh my goodness, the price of one candle is the price of like five, not, you know, five toxic candles. But we did end up finding a decent selection of like soy, soy wax candles with, um, essential oils. Um, and like no, the big ones for me are no phthalates, no parabens, um, no formaldehyde. So those mm-hmm. are the big ones that I'm looking for, um, which you can't really find at least. And we live in a small town. Like we kind of have to order online. 
Um, yeah. And so I just now splurge on my one candle a season. And yeah, well, I, and it's, yeah. it's a treat, isn't it? <laughs> it it's, is. Instead of having, you know, five candles, you've got this one. That's totally. Really good quality. Yes. And it's a treat to light it. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that has this, yeah, this season we have the pumpkin spice burning. And so that's been nice. Um, it did find a, a while, though, to find all of those gone. It's so scary. Um, we did kick like our detergent for the dishwasher or for the um, the washing machine uh, and for body products. Actually, I feel like body products has been the easiest because it's kind of like a trend right now. Yes. And so a lot more companies are like doing non-toxic things. Um, so that's been a little easier, whereas the home living side has been more challenging to find the swaps for because, mm-hmm. you know, everything is like Clorox and you know, all the, the things. <laughs> yep. And has your husband been on board with all of that? Because that's my battle. Been, my husband yes. will not change washing detergent. He will not clean the bathrooms <laughs> with the things that I tell him to clean the bathrooms with. Yeah. So he's totally on board with it all. He has been really sweet. Um, he did oh, kick like the, um, the, what's it called? The cologne. We got, we cut cologne and yes. perfume really early on. And that was a much easier battle than I thought it would be. Because I was just like, honey, there is not a fertility clinic in America that will allow even their employees to wear it. <laughs> so Done. Easy. Done. <laughs> Easy and done. I did get him Dr. Bronner's um, for like shaving cream and body soaps and things. And he is sweet. He doesn't love um you know we have to ref- we'll have to find the one that works best for him but he has been willing to um at least for this season of trying to um do the things and even like our yeah. acupuncturist wanted him to take supplements and he just kind of rolled his eyes and was like okay <laughs> but he does it yes he does it and you know the baby's really easy you know they don't they really don't know what <laughs> he likes I don't to know. help they really don't know and Honest, honest, oh, sorry. Honestly, baby products too have gone really clean as a trend. Yes, so the trendy. prices come down a lot. Yeah, uh, because when he was born, all the organic stuff was like, ooh, so expensive. Like this tiny little ocean bottle, twenty dollars, and now it's like Target has it. You know, our basic local stores have some version of all of the naughties out. I'm basically looking for no parabens, no phthalates, and then. Um, you know, those natural scents, which is also so hard as I'm sure, you know, like it can be an essential oil and they have like one drop. And so it's just all of that marketing is so challenging to get by when all you want to do is a clean natural life for your family. (laughs) And they're just trying to sneak in little things. It's so hard. I know. And it shouldn't be this hard, but yeah. And it's, it's once you know your brands, once you yes, know your brands and, you, and when you find someone like Dr. Bronner's who has a huge yes. range and a huge selection, you know that you can get anything from that range and it's going to be okay. Absolutely. So I think that's the hardest bit. It's so overwhelming at first and it is very frightening when you start researching it. Yes. But I think, yeah, I think you can just pick your brands, know which even like if you buy like an on, from an online store that has a selection, knowing that the online yeah. store sort of does that work for you. Yeah, I found a few I of agree. them in Australia. Oh, good. That you, as like a go-to website that you know that everything there is what you want. Yes. And then it's a little bit less stressful. You're not, you don't feel completely overwhelmed with the process. Have you tried the, um, the, the EWG app? No. I love it. It's environmental working group and you can scan anything and it will rate it for you. And so that's been a go-to for me. Um, oh, it's just amazing. like a quick little scan. Yeah, you'll have to tell me if it works in Australia. Um, yeah. Because it just makes it really easy. And then like even if we're out and it will be like, oh, this looks like it could be healthy. And then you scan it and it has like hidden naughty things in it. And you're just like, really? <laughs> so it just How made handy. shopping easier. Yeah. Yeah. So the environmental working group. Group. EWG. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Very good I to know. I feel like there's just lots of things like that, like you know, apps are making it easier and Instagram influencers are kind of pushing things out. And like you said, like websites that curate content, it's just, it's so much easier than like when my mom was raising us and she would have yes. to like go to the growers market or go to the, <laughs> now we can just get it in one, it's a little bit one nicely wrapped package with a bow. <laughs> oh, so where are you at at the moment? Where are you at with this fertility journey at the moment? You said you're about 
nine months into trying yeah. for yeah. number two. Yeah. Acupuncture every week for a little bit longer. Acupuncture is every week. It is so glorious. I'm just going to be so sad when it's done. (laughs) (laughs) It's honestly become the best because, you know, like they always say during this trying time, like like the meditation and the resting and like that me time, which is one, so hard to do anyway, I feel like as a female and we just can't turn our brains off. And then two, as a mom to a toddler. So like – yes. Um, driving to my acupuncture and like putting on a podcast and drinking a tea has just become like my weekly like self-care. And so I'm definitely going to be sad when I have yeah. to find an alternative. <laughs> and lying on the bed in the room by yourself <laughs> listening to peaceful music where <laughs> no one can disturb you. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um, so yes, we're in that. Um, my acupuncturist recommended um, this yoga series and it's actually pretty old. It's from the early 2000s. So I had to go and track it down on it's a dvd set uh and it's called restoring fertility and they do a yoga video for each part of the cycle so it's four videos um and so that has been something that i've been doing every other night and it's really more to make me feel like i'm doing something in a season when we can't try yeah um because you know that's really hard too like you feel like you've given up even though you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing for your journey Um, and so doing those yoga series and like drinking fertility tea, it makes me, it just gives me that feeling like I'm trying, but we can't try right now. So that's just been good for my soul. Um, we do get to try this next month. So, um, yes, definitely like trying to protect my heart, but also be optimistic that, things will be different this time. And if nothing else, you know, we have some really good quality nutrients going into hopefully another pregnancy. Definitely. Well, as I'm sure you know, a big reason for, you know, getting women on like yourself to do these interviews and have a chat and share their experiences and their journeys is that for people listening, they don't feel like they're alone in this whole process yeah. because the more and more interviews we have, the more and more women I speak to, and there's a lot of us out there that are going through yeah. all sorts of things. So do you have any any advice, any words of wisdom that you'd like to share for anyone listening who might be going through something similar to yourself in a season of trying or if in, in a season especially where they've been told don't try for a period of time? Do you have anything that you'd like to share? Yeah, I say two things. One, the biggest thing for me right now has been building a community. Um, And, you know, I don't know personally a ton of people that are currently struggling, which feels very isolating. But I've kind of found the few people that I know I can trust and I can lean into and they will rally around me, you know, even if it's we had this tiny little um, increase on our labs or, you know, maybe we're feeling a little bit better or also just to be on the phone and crying with me that it's another month gone by. And I feel like, you know, he's two, but I just, every month I feel like he's getting older and older and I really wanted that closeness for our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so just building that community between my family and friends and church and just like, just having people to lean into and then, they are so good and they'll check in on me and just be like, how's your heart? How are you doing? How can we support you? You know, whether, you know, I'm just in a season of life where I'm attending a lot of baby showers and I'm doing lots of things. And so they're just giving me so much love and grace that has been really hard because all of my OBs have been saying, you've had a healthy baby, you've had a healthy baby, you'll do it again. But Regardless of that, I feel like this, the community has just been like, this may not be the way we thought it was going to be, but we're going to be there to support you has just been everything. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. It's, yeah. You're obviously surrounded by some very special people who yeah. Yeah, check in and support you through that. Yeah. And the other thing, I know faith is different for everybody, but my faith, I feel like has been the only way I've been able to make it through Mm because even on those darkest, darkest days, it's like, I can't do this. I am not capable, but just knowing that I'm not alone and that I'm being held and protected has been everything. That's good. That's so important. Yeah. (laughs) 
Where can people go if they'd like to connect with you or to follow yeah. along on your journey? I'm not sure if you're sharing much sure. on social media or anything like that, but where can people go if they want to connect? Yeah, I did actually start sharing more this year because it felt very stifling and like almost like I was like choking, like just having this, you know, like the secrecy and um, everything that we're going through on a day-to-day basis that you get tired of people saying, how are you? And like not wanting to answer or not wanting to get into the last six years of my life. (laughs) So I really started opening up and I um, have made it pretty clear to the world that we're definitely trying and we're struggling and we need all of the thoughts and prayers. So if anyone wants to come along for a follow or just connect, I'm over on Instagram. Oh, beautiful. Um, and I'll share I'll share your yeah, Instagram be great. details and everything yes. as well so people can connect <laughs> with you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for the chat. It's been a lovely, long story of, you know, yes. ups and downs and <laughs> highs and lows, but yes. it's an incredible journey that you've been on and my fingers and toes are crossed for you that awesome. you're not waiting too much longer. Thank you so much. I'll let you know if we have a happy, happy, positive. <laughs> yes. Thank you again. Thank you for sharing your story. If you've made it this far, you deserve a huge virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Fertility Co podcast. New episodes are released every Wednesday, so make sure you hit subscribe now so you don't miss when the latest goes live. Why not make my day and leave me a quick rating and review while you're over there? If you want more, head on over to Instagram at Fertility Co, slide on into my DMs and say hello, or you can visit fertilityco.com.au forward slash podcast for show notes and access to all of the freebies that I talked about in this episode. Until next time. Let's talk about TempDrop. TempDrop's wearable sensor and accompanying charting app brings the full fertility tracking solution right to your phone. Wear the TempDrop sensor on your upper arm during sleep and then just sync to the charting app whenever it's convenient for you. TempDrop believes that every woman should be empowered and equipped with the knowledge to take control of their body. Sound familiar? That's where TempDrop steps in to provide clear, science-backed technology to help you to better track your cycle. I only recommend products that I use and love, and I love my TempDrop tracker. You can get 10% off your tracker with the code AFFertilityCo or head to fertilityco.com.au forward slash TempDrop for more information.